The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Good morning, Long Island, and welcome to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, and so glad that you can join us this morning as we share and explore all relevant issues related to autism spectrum disorder. My guest this morning is Veronica Glickman, founder and chief executive officer of Autism Behavioral and Educational Services Incorporated. Veronica has dedicated her professional career to working with kids and adults with autism and their families. She has earned a Master's of Arts degree in Experimental Psychology from the University of Hartford, a Master's of Science degree in Organizational Psychology, and a Certification in Applied Behavioral Analysis. Perhaps most notably brought up this morning is that Veronica is co-author of a chapter entitled Inclusion is a Matter of Life and Death. More than we realize for a major text that we utilize in platform and perhaps professional settings. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for making the time to to be here. You know, that's a very compelling title to a uh, to a book chapter. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the text in which it uh, it will be in and how it will be used and the the, the substance of it all. Sure. It is a chapter I, I was honored um, to co-author with Kelly Birmingham, a colleague in the field, um, in the book um, called Rethinking Perception and Centering the Voices of Unique Individuals, Reframing Autism Inclusion in Praxis. And this, um, every single chapter is written by either providers, individuals with autism, um, variety of parents, a variety of different um authors um, in the paths, you know, the, the paths of life with, that, that have something to do with autism. And um, it, it's very unique because um, it's every single chapter was reviewed by providers or educators um, and we got to provide feedback. So it's really thoroughly, um, thoroughly researched and very well written and just really brings a perspective, just a variety of different perspectives on autism um, and our chapter is specifically focused on um, safety and how it um, it really is the first level of inclusion for individuals with autism, and that's why we call it. It's a matter of life and death. Um, well, that's that's really why why it grabbed my attention right out of the gate because I think when we think about inclusion, our minds don't necessarily go to the issue of safety and, and well-being and it seems like, like people it seems to me anyway that people on the on the spectrum are often passed by around such a fundamental but essential issue i mean as i mentioned uh, to you uh, when we first talked and DDI were very sensitive to that because you know we're a structured setting we have mandates that we have to to abide by but not everybody is uh, falls under the same auspices. So maybe you talk a little bit about that, about why, you know, why is it that this gets overlooked? You know, there's a lot of um, doing some of the research and the, you know, in the background, um, we come across families as a provider. When we come across families with children, 
adolescents with autism, they're norm. You know, they they seem like this is like this is how it should be. They don't really like they don't bring this up as an issue um, because not sleeping all night long or make having all these locks on their doors or running after the child when they're wandered off. Um, that just becomes part of their life. Um, so to them, it's really not something that stands out than, you know, say other behaviors or other skills that they want them to, to gain. So, um, and when we looked at the data um, and the research and the, you know, um, it actually about 40, I think they looked at, um, 10 families and about out of four out of 10 families. So that's like 40% of individuals of parents. They reported that they did not discuss a plan for handling crises and emergencies with their providers, um, mm-hmm. which is really, I mean, it's a pretty high number for, for individuals. So I think it's on the providers end to be able to bring this to their attention, to be able to let them know that this isn't okay. Um, the numbers are just, um, so extreme um, for wandering and elopement, and um, and we just we, it doesn't get targeted very much. And I think it's because families bring some of the other pieces to us as providers. That's really important to them. Let's say like toilet training um, and food sensitivities and food issues and skill sets they don't have and how they want their kids in school, but they don't realize that the everyday that they're dealing with um, is, is not, that's not a norm. It's, that's not, that should not be their norm. Um, so so to, to, to just capture what, what I think you're saying uh, so far is that providers may have that knowledge base and, and understand this, but it's up to providers to bring that, that expertise and that awareness uh, to kids usually who are in family settings or not structured would be, and which if I got, if I have you right, Veronica, on this, uh, those kinds of issues get eclipsed by all that other stuff, really. Like I think you're saying like the ADL and the, the kind of basic living skills that they need. We kind of lose sight of how to stay alive in an emergency. Absolutely. I mean, it is, and the providers do have a skill set. We're able to teach these skills through ABA, through behavioral skills training. Um, we're able to do any of it. Um, some of our barriers sometimes are insurance companies. They don't want us to practice within the community, not all, but some, which makes it very difficult to teach someone how to cross a street um, when you don't have the real live you know, event taking place right in front of you. Right. Um, so some of them are you know, families that we come across, they're stressed, they're um, exhausted. They might be dealing with just the acceptance of autism, um, the financial stresses that come along with paying for therapies. And then just, um, it's not something that just comes to their mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at the data behind, um, you know, drowning and um, uh, kids who are um, in danger of being in traffic injuries, um, we have um, we there was a, a a survey that was conducted by the National Autism Association, and according to their research, forty nine percent of survey respondents reported that their child with autism had attempted to elope at least once after mm. the age of um, four. Wow. wow, that's that's almost half of the. I mean, half of that's forty nine percent. You have twenty four percent who were in danger of drowning. 
You have 65% who are in danger of traffic injuries, and that's four times higher than their unaffected sibling. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're looking at that, that's that's a huge safety concern. Um, this all can be taught. You know, we have individuals, and I could discuss more about, you know, some of their issues that they encounter and how it impacts some of these pieces. Um, but we have kids who see water, they want to play water, it could be a pond, it could be an ocean, they might not know how to swim, they just go to it. Um, and unfortunately, they, they could drown, they drown from it. Um, and because those skills weren't pre-taught to them um, beforehand. Well, that's interesting. And more than interesting, it's critical. But are you saying that it's um, the, the numbers, the, pre- the numbers are four times greater than they're typically developing sibling at the same age. So, because we know that toddlers and children are always at risk uh, for danger. I mean, for those, especially those kind of dangers. But my understanding based on what you what you just shared is that this population, people on the spectrum are even more so. Number one, that they're even more so. Is it possibly, maybe you can speak to this uh, just a little bit, is it possible that parents are assuming, perhaps mistakenly, that the child on the spectrum who may have additional issues is equipped in the same way as a typically developing child to respond to danger. Is that part of what's going on here or, or, or no? Sometimes, but not a whole lot of time. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I think right. they we know that they're not, they don't have the skill set because of their deficits to yeah. be able to be aware oh. of their surroundings. I hope, um, I think the hope is that they're able to pick it up um, as the parent practices with them. But majority of our um, uh, individuals with autism, especially when you're looking at the moderate and profound profound um, individuals, um, they don't. It has to really be taught to them. Um, for sure, for sure. But are parents recognizing that for one of our parents recognizing? Do they even out of the gate do they understand? Is that or that part of the provider's responsibility to to help parents fully appreciate what that can mean? I think they um by the recognition um doesn't I think they're just used to like holding their hand as they're crossing the street and that just becomes their norm. So I think they don't re- recognize that there is a way to be taught. There is a way for them to be independent. There is a way for them to be aware of their surroundings. Um, but it really is the provider with everything that's going on in their lives. It's really the provider that should really bring this to their attention. Interesting. I, I, again, you know, I think because I've been involved for quite some time in a structured setting where there's a, a, a deep understanding of what those dangers are, I am inclined to agree with you. I think it's very much incumbent upon providers to bring that level of expertise to for people who are more more or less drafted into the field, but nonetheless love their love their kids. You know, stay with us. You know, we're listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM. Keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. My host has been Veronica Glickman. We're going to come right back and talk about what greater issue than survival as it pertains to our population. Stay with us. listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. 
I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, continuing my conversation with Veronica Glickman, autism expert, teacher, provider, and co-author of a chapter in an important textbook entitled Inclusion is a Matter of Life and Death More Than We Realize. You know, we, we just left off before the break talking a little bit about the kind of issues that parents especially, but people who might not be in structured settings, need to be sensitized to when it comes to safety and well-being. Uh, and I know the ch- chapter, of Veronica, that you've put forth outlines some of those areas and the manner in which uh, families, and I guess some of the providers too, uh, can be equipped to be aware of what to do and why, again, why this population is at, at special risk. So why don't we go right back to that and talk about some of the areas that you've addressed. Sure. Um, I, you know, a lot of our individuals with autism are just not equipped um, in picking up skills from their natural settings mm-hmm. um, and due to their deficits like sensory issues and communication. Um, there, it's just, it, it makes it even harder um, when you have individuals who have sensory issues that might be, you know, um, really sensitive to loud noises and you have a fire alarm going off. Um, that might send them back into their um, home that might potentially be on fire um, for comfort reasons. Some families disconnect their fire alarms so that doesn't take place because of the the, the loudness of, of the fire alarm. Um, so families are really unaware of um, that there are local um, fire departments that can come into your home, can evaluate your home, make sure that everything is working properly. And also, if you have an individual with a disability living in the home, they're actually able to um, document where this person is. Um, Mm -hmm. And let's say there is an emergency that takes place and they are called to that house, that pops up on their screen and they know exactly where to go to save that individual. you know, when you come across communication deficits, um, you have individuals who are nonverbal, um, who might not be able to communicate if they're lost or be able to identify themselves to a first responder. Um, and even and, and if we have individuals who are verbal, they don't sometimes they have a difficulty being, being able to identify um, someone who's safe to talk to and someone who's a, a dangerous adult. Um, so we could we come across come across those issues um so it's just um it's it's really important that we we as providers address this and um with families um and there's a lot of um assessments or i'd say resources out there to be able to do that i know last time when i was on the show we talked about a variety of different resources you can potentially utilize they could be qr codes they could be shoe tags they could be um you know tracking systems they can be a variety of different things there's also another um, website that came out and it's very um user friendly um it's also for families it's a really great place to look um just to make sure you're ready across board it's called um september 26th um and that's the um we spoke last time about the individual that passed away she's a great great advocate in the state of california she couldn't get her son out of the out of their burning home and she ended up passing away yeah. with her son um but she, it, it happened on september 26th so the website is www.september26.org and it does have 
checklists for fire safety, natural disasters, wandering prevention. Um, so those are very user-friendly for families and for providers um, just to ensure that you've, you know, you've, you've looked at all those pieces and you do have all those pieces lined up and, um, and it, it saves it, it, I mean, just provides safety to any individual with a disability, especially autism. Yeah. You know, I, I found myself thinking a little bit, uh, we introduced this important subject around special concerns uh, uh, for this population. When we first started speaking just a moment ago, you mentioned some of the sensory issues that could get in the way or, of a person's proper response, somebody who might, oh, I guess, recoil from the noise and not be in a position to be able to just you know, step out of the house in some kind of single file the way some people might be taught to do. So it sounds like, I think one, one of the points you're making, and I couldn't agree more, is ensuring that the environment is ecologically safe, right? Meaning that there's the right stuff in the house. And I guess people would need to know, you know, need to know uh, how to use that and where that is, of course. But what I, what I find myself thinking too is the, the other really important point that I think you're making is that you also have to know the child, what it means to have a child who has sensory challenges and perhaps other challenges around autism. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And absolutely. They, the different, like I mentioned, loud noises, um, if families do, I mean, think they realize that they do have sensory issues, hence as to why they might disconnect the fire alarm so they don't mm -hmm. go off, but they don't realize that ultimately, how can we do, you know, we can desensitize them to noise like that. We can, like, there it could be a program opened up where we can desensitize them to, to being able to tolerate that noise. And what do you do when you hear that noise? Um, so that could all be taught in a systematic manner so instead of disconnecting the fire alarm. So if a fire, God forbid, happens in a home, um, then you're not um, trying to get your child out of the house and are unable to because they're afraid to leave, there's smoke, um, loud noises. Um, so I think that, yes, absolutely, sensory issues have, have a lot to do with, um, with, um, with keeping people safe. We also, we talk about water. A lot of our individuals love water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, they just, um, and you know, in 2019, 2010, and 2011, accidental drowning accounted for 91% of total U.S. deaths reported to children with autism ages 14 and younger. Oh, my. 91%. Wow. Is a, that is an insane number. Yeah. Um, it is a sad number. Um and it's a matter of, you know, teaching the individual to either request um, to either go, you know, some of our families might have a pond in their backyard um, or in their community, they might end up somewhere like that. So being able to request to do that so they're aware someone wants to go there, being able to teach them um, how to accept that no, not, you know, and then or giving them an alternative. There's um, mm -hmm. one way to do it. Use a bathtub. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. your bathtub um, to be able to play play with water are, you know, there are so many different special needs um, swimming instructors out there that are able to teach the individual how to swim. So really better be safe than sorry. But I think, again, those are the things that don't come up um, 
for those and for the families, I think a lot of these families are in survival mode. I mean, they just are. They're trying to survive. They do have other siblings, the children as well. And they're just trying to make it from day to day. Um, and um, and they don't they don't address this. Mm-hmm. And it is really it it should fall on the providers um, to bring it up and to ensure that that has been covered. Um, and listeners that are listening who are parents, I would highly encourage you to go to that website um, and check out those checklists and see how prepared you are or what you need to do. Um, and if you do have a provider that's working with your child, then bring this to their attention. That should be the really the one of the first things that are addressed um, with, with any individual with autism. Do, do you feel, Veronica, that some families and parents wonder, well, not wonder, but may not know how to teach this, uh, not sure where to start. So is it up to providers not only to remind parents uh, how important this is and what's at stake, but to demonstrate and maybe show what it means to teach a child, in this case we're talking about children, but it's relevant to everybody, who has often has extreme communication deficits. So that becomes a little bit of a barrier, doesn't it, to being able to instruct easily? Absolutely. I mean, it, they they are able to. I mean, it's. I, I don't think parents are, you know, born equipped to to work with either their child or the adolescent or the adult that's living at home with them. Um, and it, whether they have a provider or not, and depending on you know across, we can look at across different states and see what's available to them. So I think it really it really varies, and the providers can teach the child and then generalize it to the family. There's also parent training that can take place, but there's also webinars that can take place where the families can learn um, as to how to go about and teaching their child these safety skills. I'd like to say, I really couldn't agree more. And, you know, just to, to underscore that point, I will say that we found that, you know, DDI, we support so many people in parent training and family training has really become, you know, we recognize that it's essential, certainly around uh, these kind of priority skills and everything else. You know, we really, I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. I hope you'll come back uh, for part two. In fact, that's going to be uh, so important to me. Is that okay? Can I bring you back? I'd love to. Thank you. Good, good. I, because there's really, the chapter itself has so much more to offer, plus the continued writing you're doing. So, you're listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM. I'm Dr. Mike Lomas. Be sure to come back next week when we continue our conversation with Veronica Gutman around the subject of survival as it pertains to this population. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.